Recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get it on. Yo. Hey. How's it going? Fantastic. We're back at it again. We are. Two weeks in a row. We're making a hot streak. No, did you cancel last week? Yeah, well, you sons of a bitch! I was away. I was doing a. Seminar oh, that's in right. You were busy in Toronto. Yes, busy teaching, boy. Teaching some rat guard stuff to all my friends in Toronto. Beautiful. It was, it was fantastic. It was a good time. It's great. It's the year of the rat, so you know, you gotta you be go. on that rat guard. Yeah, tell people about <laughs> it. So we got some great stuff happening. Fantastic. We got I'm, people calling in. We got people in studio. We got people in the control room. We got people across the street. We got people everywhere. But more importantly, we got somebody in the studio. Let's get to it. Yes. Please, I would love for you to introduce yourself, Karen. Karen uh, and I have known each other for almost coming on three years now in the fight game, and I'm so happy to, that we have worked together. Uh, she's always been the venue we, we've chosen over others to, to develop our fighters. Do you mind introducing yourself and talking about Premier FC and, sure, and sure. your background? Yeah, my name's Karen West. Um, I've had uh, I started Premier with five hundred dollars on a dream back in two thousand nine, and um, like like Renee said, um, you know I've been developing fighters. I'm a, a matchmaker, so I've been building amateurs into pros, pros up into the UFC, um, and and I've worked with Renee's um, fighters for the last three years. Um, we had started with UG, who started as an amateur and is pro now, and. Um, you know, we've had guys like Mike Perry who've come through our cage in the UFC, Ricardo Funch. Um, we've had great partners with a lot of the coaches in Western Massachusetts, and now we've expanded. We've had people coming internationally as well. So that's fantastic. And uh, as as we were saying in the the cab ride up here, you know, I had worked with a number of different promoters, and I can honestly say, and I've said this on the podcast many times, there's no one I work with that is as good as you. You are absolutely phenomenal. And one of the things that I really appreciate is how much you care about helping fighters achieve their dreams. You're not just here in for a buck like so many other promoters. You're always, we're always talking about how we can make the fighters grow, how to challenge them enough, but not destroy them, uh, keeping them healthy and just being a supportive part of, of that process, which is so rare. And it's just, just always a joy working with you and, um, really excited about the premier FC coming up, um, this, this, the 29th, February 29th. February 29th yes. Yeah. yeah. This is a huge, huge event. Um, and, uh, it's a great card, but, um, but let's go. How did you, how did you get interested in the, in fighting to begin with? Like what did I know? Did you train martial arts or? Actually, oh, I no, know. no. I didn't, oh. My mom had an entrepreneur and, um, when the UFC bought pride, I, I watched it on the financial side go from like a $900,000 company up to like a multi-million dollar company overnight. And who wouldn't want to try to be part of that? Um, so I created a clothing line and called Need to Bleed Fightwear. And I started going from school to school and I would pick up fighters and I would say, you know, I'll sponsor you and I'll sponsor you. And, um, over a few years, I started studying the sport and I, um, became a fight manager so I could start managing fighters and really see like there, the, like you just said, there's a lot of issues with fighters and, and being on the safe side where promoters will bring them in and get them, you know, you're the, the opponent. They bring them in to get beat up for the ticket seller. Yeah. Um, so I, um, worked with some of the worst and some of the best. And then I decided to start my own league in 2009. And, 
Um, yeah, I know you were involved in in the Massachusetts fight community in a little closer to Boston originally, right? Was no, it, Spring, oh. I was in Springfield, oh, Massachusetts. Oh. I actually built American Fight Team back in like 2006, 2007. I had, I went from, um, you know, kind of getting to know the ropes for a few years to having 29 pro fighters under my belt. Wow. Um, yeah, I worked with some great people. Do you uh, still manage fighters too? Uh, no, when I oh. in 2009, um, when actually 2010 is when officially Massachusetts became sanctioned. I was actually the first promoter under the sanction body in Massachusetts. So when I did that, I actually had to physically in at the board table, physically sign off all of my fighters that they were no longer under contract with me. Oh, because like a conflict of interest. Kind it of is thing. a conflict of interest. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So legal, legally, I cannot be a fight manager. And, you know, once you get into this side of the sport, um, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want my fighters. I, I don't want to match my fighters. What I want right. to do is I have all of the, they're all babies to me. Yes. And I always match a fight. I imagine their mother's in the front row and would this be the right fight for them? And would she be okay with that? So, um, so I, I stopped managing fighters and then started premiere and it's kind of been a whirlwind since. So, yeah. And it's, we're so like, I know you walked into my academy. Yeah. It was about three years ago and you said, during a snowstorm. During a snowstorm. That's right. It was a, it was a crazy snowstorm. And you're like, oh, so you're in MMA Academy. And I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> yeah. Blind walk in. It was. Hey, I huh? actually, believe it or not, I came here to look at a venue and I am, a, I'm a country girl, to be honest. I'm, I'm not a New Yorker. I don't, you know, I have tobacco in my backyard, like for miles and miles. So um, I came in and I couldn't get the subways. They were shutting down the subways because of the snowstorm. Right, And I was looking for a place to eat. And his academy was just the brightest thing on the street. Everything else was closed. So Mm -hmm. I walked in, one, because I was freezing. And he welcomed me. And I said, wow, you're an MMA academy. And then we kind of built a relationship from there. Yeah, and it was it was it was funny because um, you know my my natural inclination is to distrust promoters, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's a, a more adversarial relationship. And I have never, from the first minute I met Karen to today, I've never felt that ever. We're just we're just wonderful working together, and um, just gr- happy to be part of the Premier FC family. But um, that, did you in your growth of the company? I know you had some some highs and lows, and how did it grow to to the size you are today? Because now it's an extremely well respected promotion, um, but I know it probably didn't start out that way. How, how did you How did you get it off the ground, and and how did you How did you get started uh, in terms of developing it? So, um, and I know you're going international soon. We know that, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, and yeah, so, amazing. part of it was getting a respect as a woman as a promoter is kind of a little bit, you know, it's a little edgy. You know, the yeah. um, I I did have a lot of issues with fighters and and building relationships with coaches because they really want to know who was the guy behind the scenes, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, so once I got past all of that, um, I really started making it a business. There's two separate businesses. There's fighting and then there's promotions. And when you separate those two, it's really easy to work with, with coaches and work with managers because now that's one side of the business. But then there's the promotional side, which is the TV and all of the other stuff. Mm. So, um, you know, I was able to compartmentalize the business and then be able to run it effectively. And, and it's not like me. I mean, the, I'm, I have great people that work with me. You know, it's a oh, team I know. of people Fantastic. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I wake up. And and it's not like I just own Premiere. I'm with a group of people that, you know, I was the glue for them. I picked specific people that I knew were really good at what they do. And I don't have to micromanage. So, you know, this group of people has built us to what we are today. So, you know, I can't take credit for Premiere. I could just take credit for being the glue of Premiere that put the great people together that work But for I it. think that's true of any entrepreneur. It's, it's, it's one of the skills of an entrepreneur is bringing uh, – 
the right people together and creating an environment where they can work together harmoniously. And that's, that's a, that's a very difficult skill. I think it's also kind of a skill of how you run an academy too. It bring the right knowledge in and how everybody moves the work different pieces, how they, how they interact and how they work smoothly together. And you're, you're not just the glue, but you're also the, the, the oil that lubricates everything too, I think, you know? And like you said, you know, sometimes you'll get somebody that walks into your school and, you know, you start training with them and you're knocking heads with them because either they don't like your training style or they know more than you do. I, that's always a famous one. Oh, yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. for me, you know, I, when I meet someone, I, I could tell in my gut. You know, like when I met you, I, I knew that I was going to have a great working relationship with you because it was, it, it's, you're inviting, it's just your personality is inviting. So for well, myself, I, I kind of live the same way with Premier that, you know, when I start working with people, there's coaches I will not work with because I, I, I know that wholeheartedly they're just throwing their fighters in and they're not ready. And, you know, it's great to have some, you know, the guy on the card, but that's not, that's not going to do anything for me and that's not going to do anything for the fighter. So. Um, you know, in building your, your gym or in me building a promotion, I think it's really important to keep your values and, and what you believe is the next step for you and not to compromise on it. That's amazing. And that's so rare. And it's also why I respect you so much, you, you know, so integrity, much. values, and, you know, commitment to, to the sport rather than money, money, money. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, speaking of good people that are the glue of an organization and fighters that are ready to fight, we have somebody on the line we can talk to now. Hey, G. Hey, Coach. How's it going? Not bad. Karen's here as well and Matt, uh, my producer. Uh, just could you introduce yourself and, and also uh, talk about your upcoming fight? And Karen, you can introduce the the, the, the title match as well. It set it up. Um, I know he's fighting uh, for what title? How how you doing, Jay? How's it going, Karen? I'm good. So, um, UG will be fighting for my middleweight title against Pat Casey um, on February 29th um, in Springfield. Awesome. So, put all my money on you, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know, Pat Casey. Okay. Pat Casey, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I got to make a good call. If you, if you tell me you're not going to win, let me know. <laughs> And, and we're really honored to fight Pat, um, cause he's a, he's a warrior. He's a competitor. I have nothing but respect for him. But gee, tell us about your background and how you got started and, and this road. I mean, I know, but nobody else does this road to, uh, to fighting for a very, very prestigious pro title, the title that Matt, uh, uh, Mike Platt and Mike Perry held at one point. But first, how's your stomach after all the food you ate yesterday? I saw your Instagram. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Uh-oh, uh-oh, am I, am I spilling some uh, information that Raina God, doesn't know? The promoter's here and it's in less than four weeks. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I saw yeah, a picture salad. of the food. I didn't see him eating it, so there's no okay. evidence he ate it. <sighs> Scales is 185 on February 28th. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Tell us about yourself, Mr. G. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, just, I first got into MMA just because I saw it on TV and thought it was cool. So, yeah. Uh, I, got, I first started in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, right after college. Just because, like I said, I saw it on TV and I thought it was cool. And I wanted to try it out. And then uh, for the first few years, I was kind of just training on and off. And then uh, the last few years uh, that I've been here in New York training with Renee. I took it a lot more seriously. I always kind of had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to fight. And then um, just as my skills progressed, it just seemed like a natural evolution. It wasn't even so much I wanted to fight. I just felt like 
you know, you're going to go on this journey, like you want to kind of want to see it to the end. So I felt like an obligation to myself to uh, push myself to compete. And uh, so far it's been, been going great. I've um, been fighting that premiere for the last couple of years. Uh, been great experiences every single fight. Um, the promotion has been wonderful. All my opponents were, you know, good, tough guys. Uh, but I'm really, really excited to uh, fight Pat Casey because I know, you know, he's a good, well-rounded fighter. Um, he's very durable. And uh, I think it'll be a chance to show off all of my skills. Um, yeah, I've been working on plenty of stuff that I I want to uh, flex a little bit. So I'm pretty excited for this fight. Yeah. And and people don't know, but G used to be a professional gambler as well. So he, he comes from a, a lot of another sport. And, uh, and and how long were you gambling for? Uh, for basically kind of when I started jiu-jitsu. Um, during college, I was a professional poker player. Uh, so yeah, I was very much uh, analytic-based and, like, math-based. And that's kind of something I, ter- I take into my fighting as well. I try to be uh, – I try to fight smart, you know. I try not to, like, bang it out or flip coins because, you know, even if you're a more skilled fighter, like, there are just certain situations where it doesn't matter how good you are. You're kind of, like, uh, rolling the dice a little bit. And I try not to be in those situations unless I absolutely have to be. And then hopefully uh, we put ourselves in strong situations. Um, our skill advantage will, in the end, uh, give us a favorable result. And that's kind of something from my gambling days that I've always worked towards, just finding the area where you have the biggest edge possible and exploiting those advantages. Yeah, you know, it's a, I think just on a personal level, I think why we, we gel so much is because we both have a very analytical approach to fighting. And I'm not saying I'm the best coach in the world, but I definitely, Professor Ken, myself, we're always, you know, crunching the data. You are the best coach in the world. <laughs> well, thank you, G. That means a lot. I know you're just trolling me, but thank you. <laughs> you're, I'm honored to be your teacher. Um, but anyway, um, so I'm super excited for the fight. Pat Casey, for the guys who don't know, he has a story career in Bellator and also in Premier FC. And we've actually shared the back room with him. He is one tough, tough fighter. And he's also from your background, Karen, right? I mean, from your backyard. So you've seen him grow as well. Yeah, actually, he was one of my amateurs who turned pro. Um, I work very closely with Bellator. I match for them when they are up here in the Northeast. So, um, I've definitely had a, um, you know, a, a hand in and getting him to Bellator as well. Um, and, and even coming back here, you know, every, I think not every fighter has the same business. Um, plan. You know, some fighters never even want to get out of the, you know, the Northeast. They don't want to get out regional. Most fighters want to go to the UFC. Um, less than half will ever make it there. Um, I do believe that Pat has the heart to get there. I've been waiting for, I wanted you, um, for, I wanted G and Pat to fight as amateurs at one point. I don't know if you remember that. That was right at the beginning, um, when Pat was back and forth and fluctuating weight. And, um, and and so I knew at some point that they were going to fight pro, but they, they I I could not make it line up. Those stars were not going to line up. And when they finally did, I was so excited. I've been waiting for this fight for the last two years. Yeah. And uh, how do you how do you see it? How do you see it going, Karen? How do you see it going in terms of strengths that G brings and strengths that uh, that uh, Pat Casey brings? So I think that what's really awesome is that they're both extremely well rounded. Um, Pat, I think um, he likes to stand. 
He definitely does. But see, G does too. I, I've definitely, the last fight I watched G on the ground and I think, and I've watched him improve again. He's, he, I've watched him on his first fight up till now. And, um, you know, I've seen his ground improve tremendously. Um, where, where G, I feel like, um, where he used to back up and stand up, he now moves forward. Um, I think that they're both moving forward fighters. They're not stand and wait fighters. Um, I do see possibly G being a little more aggressive in the beginning of the fight than Pat. Um, I think Pat likes to feel out his opponent a little bit more. So um, I think that stylistically, they're the perfect match because they do really um, they do mirror each other a lot in 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 their fight style. But I definitely think there's going to be fireworks on this fight. I mean, oh. I, I would be thrilled. I hope this fight doesn't go one round. I would be thrilled to see a minimum of three rounds go through this fight. But I do not see this fight going to decision. All right. Gee, what do you think um, is the biggest strength that you bring into this fight? Um, I think my biggest strength is probably just like I'm a threat everywhere. So you kind of just have to watch out for everything. Uh, yeah. So you're just basically the best I, fighter ever. <laughs> you're just the best fighter? Whoop, whoop. That's my strength. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm pretty confident in my skills. Okay. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, I, you know, Pat's a great fighter, but I think I do have the skill edge in a lot of positions. And uh, as long as nothing crazy happens, I feel like I'll be in pretty good shape. I can say from the last fight, the last fight you did from the fight before that, I've noticed a big difference in his conditioning, too, where, um, you know, I think G... I think I knew, I knew when he fought, um, in Massachusetts, the, he, he, his, he was under. I could see at the end of the fight, he was, he was winded. And after his last fight, I noticed his, his conditioning. It's almost like every fight he picks something that, okay, you know, he doesn't go back with a win and he's just happy with it. I think he looks at what he's done and where he feels like here are some gray areas in his game. And, um, I did notice myself personally from one fight to the next that his, his cardio and, um, it seemed to increase tremendously. Hmm. Exciting. Do you have a, a game plan? Like you guys have the whole fight yes, mapped yes, we, out? We do. So what is that? Explain no, to me in detail. <laughs> we're not talking. <laughs> but gee, talk gee, yeah. where where do you what round do you think you're gonna finish him in? Um I like to go home as early as possible. <laughs> no, not the first. No. <laughs> okay. On that note, thanks for thanks so much for calling in G and I hope everybody can see you fight. I'm so, so proud of can you. Can they still buy tickets? Uh yeah, we can still buy tickets and we'll we'll put the um the link to buy tickets on the on the Mar- Martial Culture Podcast page. And uh anybody you can also watch it. Is it gonna be live streamed this one? Yes, it'll be live live streamed on Fight TV as well as if anyone wants to get to t- um tickets, they can either go um to your uh, yeah. your website or you can go to premierfighting.com. Um I would suggest using um UG as a code and then he gets credit. So he actually makes money on his own ticket sales too. So. Great. Uh also we have one other fighter calling in. Uh I don't know who this guy is, name's York. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and uh so G, I'm gonna say goodbye and we have the other fight title fight coming up. So G, thanks for taking time to be on thanks, with us G. today. And uh good luck. You know just you know, I know we, we talk about this in the gym all the time, but I'm so happy to be um, part of your martial journey. And uh, I'm so proud of you, buddy. Thank you. So um, we have another fight uh, on the card for a title. This one's an amateur title. And would you mind setting it up, uh, Karen? Sure. We have York Anderson. We'll be fighting Zach Richards um, for the 
45-pound title. Wow, that was really like, I went blank for one second. You know what? what? It was actually Yorick's fault that that happened because Yorick was like, I'm sitting at 125. And I was like, 125? (laughs) So he's fighting for our 45-pound title. One 45-pound title. Um, Yeah, and uh, Yorick has been actually on this podcast before. But Yorick, um, we're really glad to talk to you again. And um, before we talk to you, though, let's. Um, what do you see? How do you you, you've, you know more about Zach Richards than we do? But how do you? What's his background? And he's also from the Massachusetts area. Is he from somewhere else? No, he's actually from Maine. Oh, he's from Maine. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I just actually watched Zach. I, I did history on him before I matched the fight. He was actually fighting when I matched the fight that he's going into now. So I actually kind of sat cage side at his last fight. Um, a friend of mine does shows over um, at Mohegan Sun, so I sat kind of cage side going. <gasps> Oh, he has to win this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely a strong fighter. Um, he is, a, he's a stand up fighter for sure. York is definitely a stand up fighter. I mean, I uh, when don't, he, don't count on that. Uh-oh. I, I, I know. I'll just say he's a stand up up thus far. I mean, I have, he's actually all over the highlight video of him kicking his opponent in the yes. head. So, um, but I, they, again, stylistically, it used to be where MMA would, um, you would take either you had a ground guy and a stand up guy. There wasn't a lot of mixed martial arts schools it was yeah. you know so um the the awesome part about matching right now and especially guys like york and and guys like ug is that they're so well-rounded that it's easy for me to match them so where do i think this fight will go i don't know i do know that both of them are powerful in the first round both of them they yeah. they you know they, they they of course everyone likes their reach but they both love that initial bell you can see it in both of them. So yeah. So York, what's your take on the fight? And are you excited? And uh, you must be. I mean, it's for it's for your first title, so you must be really, really excited. Just give us your your two cents on uh, this upcoming battle. Well, to correct you on one thing, Karen, mm-hmm. uh, I said two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Oh, did you? That is, that is an accurate measurement right there. Two hundred twenty-five. Wow, that I must have been he, a I big think Super Bowl. Like two hundred two, but he's. I think he's pushing it a little bit. <laughs> He likes pizza, though. Last time I saw you a couple weeks ago, you didn't look that bad. (laughs) Wow, that just looked very different today in training. (laughs) (laughs) The rice grind's a little tight. makes me look like black is very slimming, you know? Black today. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, um, so yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> we, if you want to jump up a couple weight classes, we can do that too. Sure. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, how, how are you seeing this fight and are you excited? And not in terms of your opponent, but just the, the opportunity to fight for the title and everything like that. Uh, I'm really excited to fight, period. I, again, I'm looking forward to fighting additional rounds, like this one's a five rounder, which I've never done before, so that's exciting. Uh, it wasn't really hard on my conditioning. Running uh, 90 miles every day with UG on my back, uh, so really looking forward to showing that off. You forgot, you uh, forgot me on your back as well. You got UG on one shoulder, me on the other. Is Return of the Jedi? Yes, yeah. he's using his he's force. A powerful one. <laughs> I'm a little too heavy for you. I know. <laughs> we're, we're all heavyweights, and radical, <laughs> including Jeff Lau. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll talk about that later. So. <laughs> but so you excited? How do you see? How do you see the fight going? Uh, like I said before, he's a very tough guy. Uh, you know, I've spoken to him in person. Super nice, not in person. I've spoken to him one on one. Very nice person. Uh, likes to scrap. I'm a very nice person. I like to scrap. 
I don't see any quit in him. There's absolutely no quit in me. So either way, there's going to be fireworks. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a great, great fight. Um, I'm super excited and it's just really great to see you finally fighting for a title because I think you deserved a, a title shot. I mean, of course everybody has to earn it, but I knew you were a champion from the moment I met you. So now it's just trying to wrap the belt around your waist, you know? Yes, sir. And, uh, and, um, I, I, what, are, what are the other fights? Thank you so much, York. What are the other fights on the card that, that, uh, I don't want to just dominate with radical fighters, but there's a lot of this stack card. I mean, there's some heavyweights fighting on that card that are amazing. So you do want to talk about some of the other fights coming up? Yeah. So we have 12 pro fights and seven amateur fights. So it's, it's a very stack card. Um, uh, one that I'm pretty excited about is, um, I have, um, um, now I'm going to go, my, this can totally draw a blank on my fight card now. Um, I have Steve Stangle coming back. He was one of the most, he's a pro. Um, he, when I think back in my own career, um, any fight that would actually st- stop me and go like, wow, he fought someone I had brought in from Brazil, um, Gustavo Kuhn. And it was right around the time where he kind of just dipped out. But this was one of the most powerful fights, pro fights that it was my first most powerful pro, pro fight I'd ever seen in person that close. Um, and I was shocked. And, and so he's been out, like I said, of the game for about four years. And I contacted him about eight months ago and said, you know, you, you got to get back in. Like, you know, he's just a, he's a, a country boy doing his country thing and was like, eh, uh, you know, there's a, Massachusetts is very expensive to fight in um, with the medicals. And he just kind of like, I'm done. Um, so I was able to, in the last eight months, he was, he came back, you know, strong. He is absolutely ready to fight. Um, and he's fighting Nick Alley. Nick Alley has actually fought for me for years. He was in my amateur ranks and then he went up through my pro. Um, he has nine pro fights now, I think. And, um, so when I think again, stylistically, both of them are very powerful fighters. So I'm very excited about that fight. Um, we also actually do grappling, which is, Mm. um, something new that we added and we added it because of the need, the want for it in our local area um you know we have naga but the want to have see people on fight night grapple was a big deal so we actually have um, a little girl who's only 10 years old she is the mini ronda rousey it's so difficult to match her even in grappling because what's her weight class she's a 95 pounds i have a girl at 105 it would be awesome if if you want to bring her. At, she's masked right now. Oh, okay. uh, Next she's time. thirteen years old. Yeah. Um, she uh, her name's Dan um, Daniele. Her first name's Gia Gia Daniele. Um, she kickboxes, so you see this online, and she literally, when I look at her, I think if I could just squeeze down Ronda Rousey, <laughs> she is so powerful. She trains six hours a day. Um, so, you know, we're adding little things. It's against the law for us to actually have it. And I personally, in my own opinion, don't think people should fight in a cage, um, until they are 18 years old. I think that's just a growing, I think they're still growing up to that point. Um, so, you know, everyone has their own opinions in, in boxing and MMA. My personal opinion is I think that fighters, MMA fighters should not fight in the cage until they're 18, but it is nice to be able to bring her in the cage and her to be able to have that experience. Just have a grappling match, not just a straight grappling match, but it gives them some opportunities to get what that feels like so when they are older there's not the new beginning as you know with your fighters you have a fighter who's an amateur right now he's going to come in the cage of course you know they're nervous they've yeah. never been in front of 2,000 people before in their shorts mm-hmm. with a mouthpiece with someone who wants to rip their face off across the cage right. you know it's a big deal so I think that having them in the cage earlier and younger so we do that in the beginning of yeah the no that's great it's funny because I'll tell you the very first time I fought in front of a crowd I was like 
what? what? <laughs> and I had forgot, nothing to do with my opponent. that you were a yeah. fighter, too. I uh, forgot. Um, and, and York, you, you, you fought um, uh, the Sandat Championships as well. I, I, what was the first time? You fought at Madison Square Garden, too. What was the first time it was like fighting for you in front of a really big crowd? Did, did, it, did, it, did, it, uh, did it throw you off a little bit? Or did you, did you just something aside? I know for me personally, the minute I saw this huge crowd – I was like, what? <laughs> but how did you deal with that? The 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 getting used to being in front of an audience. I, I, I'm gonna guess he likes being in front of a crowd. Yeah, I you got agree. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, my the bigger the crowd, the better my performance normally. Wow, uh, really? Madison Square Garden, not a care in the world. Fighting in a hotel in Orlando, Florida. I'm like, oh, this is a little scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, crowd doesn't really bother me too much, especially if I'm in my shorts. I actually prefer that. Oh, wow. That's great. You know, I, I envy you, you knew, that's one thing you have that, uh, I envy you come in with such tremendous mental strength and, uh, there's so many issues that fighters have to deal with aside from the technique. And I said it before the last time you're on the podcast, it's like, uh, you know, you have all the, the ancillary attributes Aside from fight, fighting skill, and of course you have the fighting skill. So I personally know that the sky's the limit for you, and I'm super excited for this fight. But um, I would say that unfortunately I was not blessed with so many <laughs> mental, such mental strength. And for me, the the very first time I went in, in, in front of a very big crowd was not like it wasn't like two thousand people, but it was it was it was sizable. Uh, I it it definitely threw me for a loop, and I had to kind of go back into my little like Zen space and and uh, and 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 try to get through it, you know. And but then once once I got hit in the face, I'm like, oh okay, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I, I definitely couldn't do it. There's yeah. no way. I mean, I get in my own cage, and I'm in a skirt, and I you know they give me the microphone for a second, and I think I would never mm. be able to do what these guys do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've never. I did boxing for five minutes. I got hit in the face, broke my <laughs> nose first time. Never. Oh really? Did it again. <laughs> For, uh, like bad luck. It, it was and he was like 15 years old i'm like no he didn't you know like i can't hit you you're just a kid and then he broke my nose and i was like talk to his know, mother I, 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 now i have problems <laughs> i may hit a 15 year old but i agree it's i can't imagine getting into that position where i would have that you know you're nervous mm. but now you have to fight yeah, you know? yeah, yeah so being new i can see that you know i just want to swing a little bit away from premier fc and also talk about the larger mma community and promoters and just the promotion business in general um you know and and the ufc the mma business in general because i as i said you're a promoter who i respect tremendously but and there's other ones that i've dealt with that's not been so positive and how do you see the how do you see the larger fight community and how do you, how do, how do you, um, um, uh, evaluate it, uh, either on the highest level, the lower levels? I'm just curious what your take is on it. I know, you know, people are very critical of the UFC, particularly when it came to Conor McGregor and all his act activities. And then they kind of use that as a promotional space. And then there's one FC, which is really moving to move away from the razzle dazzle and just focus on good fights. Um, and, and, selling the product where the UFC is since they you know have the ESPN deal they're a little bit more pushing the drama and um and then there's of course Bellator uh which you know is definitely trying to have marquee guys like Fedor come back 
uh, and fighter safety can be an issue when you're an older fighter. Uh, and also, I'm sure there's some deals in terms of uh, financial compensation, things like that, that I'm not privy to. But I'm just wondering what your take is because, of course, you see so much more than I do. And uh, I'd like to, to to pick your brain on on what goes on behind the scenes in the larger shows like Bellator that you said you worked with. Maybe you see or you've heard what happens in the UFC or any any show. And also on the lower level, what you see is going right and what's going wrong. So um, I remember it was about two and a half, three years after I started. I thought I knew everything, of course. Um, I think most people do when they start a business. And I actually met with Dana White in um, New Jersey. And I thought I was the bomb, you know, told him, like, this is what I've done. And he literally looked at me and said, when you've actually done something, let me know. And I was like, wow. So that's where I started studying the sport, the business side of the sport. And the business side of the sport – just because the UFC is the biggest doesn't mean that they make all the right decisions. And so what I've noticed with the UFC where their biggest mistake was, was when they took the ability for fighters to make money. Fighters make a lot of money as sponsors. With their I, was, sponsors. I completely agree. Yeah. The Reebok deal was and just was, it was such, such a mistake. A mistake. It's, yeah. It was such a mistake. And I mean, some of these fighters that were making $400,000 a year are now making like $5,000 a year in sponsorship. They can make them outside, but they can't, they don't have a platform anymore. Um, and I think that again, with business, Bellator monopolized on that. Mm. That was the moment when Bellator was like, we're in it to win it. And, you know, not to knock the UFC, because again, you know, these are things that they've been the number one, yeah. the big cheese for so long. They think that these are the right decisions. What Bellator did was they gave back the ability for fighters. So you'll see a lot of fighters come out of the UFC and right into Bellator. Um, you know, and make way more money. They're making way more money. And it's yeah. not necessarily from the league. It's because they have a platform. They have a, they have a, a, a fan base and audience that they can make money on it. And of course they would. So, um, I think from the UFC level down to the Bellator level, um, I do see, you know, and I, and I've spoken a lot to the matchmakers and the promoters for them. Um, so, you know, we're all here for, ultimately the same reason as that's to grow fighters i don't i will never be bellator i will never be the ufc i will be a feeder to that those people um not because i don't have big aspirations of being as big as the ufc i think as a if i was a little girl looking up I, of course that's what i'd want but um you know to safely get them there and ready that is another and that's where the issue is at the level like you said with the other promoters is they're in it for a paycheck they're in it for money a lot of them i'm not going to say all of them um, but what happens is they end up padding these, these local guys just because they sell tickets and they're making money, et cetera. And then what happens is they go to the UFC or they go to Bellator and they fail. Yeah. That's and, and, so common. And there is a very dirty side to this sport that, um, that I, I hate that I've been privy to and I've seen, but it sometimes it only takes one, you know, and, and mm. I can only be one. In my sport too. Wouldn't the UFC or Bellator stop coming to you for fighters at that point if you're giving them fighters that aren't ready? Um, no, no, they don't because what happens is, you know, there's a lower level. So when they had, and, and he, like you were saying about the drama side of it. So, um, the, um, the UFC used to do the house. Do you remember the, the UFC house where they would bring oh, them the, in? Oh, the, um, ultimate, uh, ultimate fighter. Ultimate yeah, yeah, fighter. Yeah. yeah and, they, and they would bring them in the house. The, the issue was, is that the, they were t starting to make the fighters 
make them have drama. And so some of the fighters, I actually sat one of my fighters there at the time. And the beginning of that was when one of my fighters was dropping in weight and I was getting him into the ultimate fighter. Um, and he wanted to leave right when he got there. He said, I will never act like that in public. He was right fresh out of Brazil, knew very little English. He said, I will never do some of the things that they, they don't make you do it, but they say, if you want a name, it's how you build your name. But again, that's the promotional side. We talked about the fight side and the promotion side. So, um, you know, with the um, UFC now, which what I do appreciate is they do UFC Fight Pass. So and the Contender Series. And, and the where Contender they, Series, yeah. right. I think it's it's almost a better way of just they go to – I like, showcase yeah, better. You showcase better, right, right. right. And, and yeah. I didn't I didn't mind the Ultimate Fighter when it started, and but then it turned into such a oh, breaking reality, windows and yeah, reality, reality circus TV. Yeah, yeah. And, and But when it very first started, I didn't mind it at all. But then it turned into something – it turned into TV, not martial arts. Well, it's, I felt like it started making people look at fighters as if they were some kind of other breed, an animal breed almost. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have doctors, we have, you know, we have all levels of fighters and they have great personalities. They have families, their fathers, their mothers. Um, and I think when it started to get to that point, we started looking at fighters a little bit differently and they deserve a respect. Absolutely. You know, they train every MMA day. MMA is the, the, the sport league with the highest number of graduate degrees of mm -hmm. people fighting. Uh, I, I'm not talking, I'm, I'm talking, um, um, uh, uh, bachelor's, but also by bachelor's, but also master's degrees. Mm -hmm. And G is an, G is an MBA, mm -hmm. you know, and he's working for a very high level, uh, uh, accounting firm. So, and a lot of my fighters, uh, are very, very well educated. And I think it's, it's very important. And York is, is, is a brilliant, brilliant person outside of martial arts. Right. And know? I think when the, when the UFC started doing that and pushing that more, they realized, they were making a mistake. Again, yeah. if you're the top of the food chain, we're kind of looking up to you. You're going to make mistakes. You have to fix those mistakes. Mm -hmm. So when they started um, the, like you said, with the um, contender series, they're actually a developmental league. So if you win that, it does not mean you're in the UFC. And and Like William Knight, who came up through Premier FC. Right. So William Knight, I actually brought William Knight, who's the, this little kid, I uh, felt like now that I look at him back at, at it. But he was, I did brought him to his first radio show before his very first uh, amateur MMA fight. He went all through amateurs and his pros and, you know, and now he's in the developmental program with the UFC. And what that does is there are certain leagues that are, um, under developmental contracts. They call them UFC fight pass. You see UFC fight pass. Um, so what he did was he went and fought for the contender. Say there was 12 fighters or that one on that. That doesn't mean that they're in the UFC and that doesn't mean they get a developmental contract. Then at that point, Dana White will decide who goes into the developmental contract. When they do, they can no longer fight for anyone who's not covered under the UFC fight pass. So he can't come home and fight right now because as of right now, I'm not under a developmental contract. With is, the UFC. is that something you look, you would look, want mm -hmm. to do in the future? Or? Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that'll be my goal for the, yeah. the latter end of 2020 is to at least go under um, a developmental contract with the UFC so yeah. we can do UFC fight pass. Where these guys like William could come in yeah. and be, but again, he's fighting in CFFC now, or is that where he's fighting? No, or, he uh, um he he fought for CFX or uh, um CES, CES, right? Yeah. CES, that's, yep. that's and, and so he just actually won his fight. But you know, I, I speak to his manager often. Um, he's got a lot of fighters that are actually in the UFC, and um, you know, the UFC can decide. You know, we're done today and, and he's done and he goes back. It doesn't mean he's an, a UFC fighter. Mm. Um, you know, this is an example with the developmental, um, leagues is like CES was always just CES. Now, if you go there and say their, their, um, title holder wins a belt, it's still a CES belt. It's not a UFC belt. Right, right. They're only, they only use them as a developmental, um, 
stepping stone, so right, to speak. Right, but it's a great try. It's sort of like the um, uh, uh, baseball has the different uh, AAA, AA. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great way to be- develop fighters because, you know, in, in martial arts has belts. And I think the origin of, of belts was originally to, to gauge skill so that you don't have mismatches. And when you have these developmental leagues, each step is – and the same with boxing. You have, uh, you know, novice class. Then you have open class amateur. And then you have pro. And you go into these different weight classes so you, you don't get put into – uh, uh, at the deep end of the pool where you can't survive. Obviously, like we said, sometimes people pad records or something like that, but, but there's still that, that system, that structure is, is very, and that's one thing I noticed in Japan. You know, Japan has the Shuto organization and they are a great system. They have class one, class two, and class three amateurs. And then they have pro and you have to go through each step and have a number of wins in each step before you go to the next. And it's run completely throughout Japan. It's a national, Amateur organization. I've never seen a better, more organized, more, more non-corrupt. I mean, there's no corruption in the Shuto League. Not, not in Japan. I'm talking about talking the Shuto League, but there's zero corruption and there's real standards and the grassroots developmental league that they have there is very good and really keeps people safe. At least I can speak when I lived there, which was numbered many years ago, but still as I follow the scene and I know that the, the, the fighters that they bring because almost all the Japanese fighters are coming up through that league. That are good and they're they're developing it's too bad that mma is not as popular in japan as it was but still that 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 grassroots structure exists there to keep fighters safe and give them the, the right challenge at the right time is a wonderful thing it seems like the ufc is kind of trying to develop that and I, I really really like that and it's it's so important to have leagues like you and you said oh you don't want to necessarily be the ufc but you know there's a there's a very important role to play when I, G had his first amateur fight, I came to you. I mean, what other venue would I have to go? I'd have to go to some other venue with some sleazy, awful promoters. I mean, look, I fought an M- a Valley Tudo fight on a carpet with a rug put over it in, 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 in freaking, I won't say where it was, but it was here in New York. But anyway, I fought on a carpet with a rug put over it and there's a concrete floor, a parquet wood concrete floor underneath it. It was so unsafe and so crazy. You got rug burns from that? <laughs> I was yeah, going to say. I actually, you uh, know what? When scars? we were fighting, when we were fighting, that was the thing is like there was an edge where the floor ended, at, where the carpet ended and the, the hard floor began and you couldn't see because they, they put the, the, the sheet on the floor. So you couldn't see where it ended. So what people were trying to do was aim for past where the rug ends to smash the guy's head oh on the God. concrete. That is so sad. And, and it, was, so sad. it was a bunch of Russians, you know, looking at us and like, yeah, and I mean, like, where do you go if you want to test yourself? And, and, you know, G said it, and I know York is the same, you know, we're looking to test ourselves as martial artists and grow as martial artists. And we need those venues. We need the right venue at the right time. And, you know, I went in, um, with with uh what was called the uh, uh underground and it was in New York and that was actually amazingly well run show which was very safe it was underground and it was not you know we we're at this point where we weren't sure if it was legal or not but um but it was run by a guy named Peter Storm and another um who um really matched fighters up was it in a church we was everywhere. We fought everywhere. <laughs> no, I, I think I went to the actual show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, underground. No, it was. It was actually most of the time is either in a boxing gym. Sometimes it's underground. We had one was a martial arts school that was a B B one floor. Uh, we fought a lot. Of, we fought at Fight House once. That was one of my my first fight for them. And then um, 
which was a martial arts school here in New York City. But they fought many places. And the thing about Peter Storm, and I shout out to Peter, is that he was always, always concerned about fighter safety. And he had many people of different skills because anybody who wanted to test themselves, they could come on. But he would say, what's your skill? What's your background? He'd look at them and he would, he would, and I could say that very, very few people got injured on that show. I have to say though, and Peter's gonna laugh. The the worst injury he got on that show was someone I injured. <laughs> but anyway, that's that another happened. that's another story. You're brute. Yeah, yeah. yeah I what, think he, yeah. I think actually though, <laughs> as a story, if I can remember correctly, he fought a guy who was like a hundred pounds more. Fifty. Than you. I 50 fought one, but that was not that was not Peter Storm show. But right, yeah, right, I, some, I fought. Somewhere. Yeah, I fought. A, I fought once. A guy who was fifty pounds heavier than me. That would never. Yeah, that could yeah. never happen and, uh, in my state. For and, sure. uh, and and so. Um, and I also fought, I fought in this tournament where the guy was, uh, there was one guy, we, it was like basically open weight class and, and the guy was 35 pounds heavier than me. And he was very well trained and he'd actually already fought in the, what's it? Not Naga, but Naga is the same organization, but they have the MMA shows. Um, that's reality. Yeah, reality fighting. Yes. He had fought in reality fighting. He had experience. And then he was 35 pounds heavier than me. And I was 155 and he was one, uh, he was like 180, 185, something like that. Yes. Uh, um, so, or 190, actually. I think he was somewhere on there, but he was, he was about 30, yeah, about 35 pounds heavier than me. And, um, and, uh, so it was a big weight difference. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and and yeah. they definitely can't do that. And I do want to yeah. touch best. best and it was just, space. it was dangerous. And now that we have, but people like you, it's great. That we have just the right place. Like I had to search for fights and that you have that opportunity for people to fight is, is fantastic in, in a place where people care about you. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know, no, that was well, great. Well, part of, I think, in going back to the UFC and the decisions that they make is one of the best decisions that they made was this develop, develop, developmental league. It's because it's so mainstream now. There's yeah. so many fighters. How, how do you get into the UFC? Like there's, you know, 2000 fighters trying to get one spot in the UFC. And so they mm. have to, it's not just, it's the, it's the growth growth of the spore they have to make changes as time goes on it's not like this is the perfect way to do it and this yeah. is how we do it now i think that it's a forever evolving thing because of the amount of fighters there are and and you know the ufc when they say they make it a little bit easier for us in some ways only because you know they'll say um you know this is what we're looking for and now we as matchmakers can groom fighters to say well if you're ever really going to get there and make a difference this is the kind of fighter you have to fight i have to make a business plan for every fighter that steps in my cage. If you want to get to the UFC and you're right here, these are the fighters that you need to get, you know, in the next year or two years. But if you fight this guy, you know, the top guy now, I'm never going to be able to match you. You know, but yeah, the that UFC was always never... that was always interesting because you said that to me many times, mm -hmm. and I'm like. I never thought of that. It mm -hmm. was like, if you fight the top guy right now, you, nobody else is going to want to fight Because I remember you, you right? said yeah. you were like, I, uh, pull, bring it on. You know? And I'm like, no, <laughs> because I still have to continue to match him. And the UFC needs people with a record. And if you want to go to the UFC, and part of that is you have to trust the people that you work with. Yeah. Because, you know, the coach, again, you know where your fighters can come. But see, I'm in a different side of the sport, so I see where they can go. But I know how to get them there only with – if you do, if you fight these five fights, you can get in the UFC because you have these five fights and these are the wins. But they have to be in the right order because if you don't, we're not going to be able to get you there because we're not. We're I, I fly people in from all over. The, I have people coming in from France, Brazil, you know, coming in now. It's because that's the right fight for that fighter at the right time. Right. You know, if you look the fight right before UG's fight, um, we have Terrence, Gene Jacks, and um, 
he's actually from Florida. He's our champion. He lives in Florida. Our our champions aren't in our own backyard. We're yeah. not that that league, you know. But he's he actually a very nice guy too. He's a very nice guy, yeah. and he's and he used to be a big guy, but he fights down. Well, he's he's light heavyweight now. I mean, he's two hundred five, <laughs> but I mean, he was big, big. Like yeah. you know, less than a year ago, he's fighting at two sixty five. I think so. Wow. Um, you know, that's the, and and I look at him, and then I look. I'm bringing in Dwayne um, Diggs. And so, and he's from another part of the country. So maybe as a promoter, that doesn't look the best for me, or the, it doesn't work for me as far as ticket sales or, you know, my uh, a local guy fighting a way guy. They're both from other parts of the country, but I, both of them I see. And, and I have to think like a matchmaker. I can't go, wow, I really like him. I can't do that. I have to think this is the right spot for Diggs right now. And this is the right spot for Gene Jacks. Yeah. You know, they, they might be in different parts of their career, but it's the right fight at the right time for each of them. You know, you're, you're just, you're awesome because, um, I, I had experience way back when I, I didn't fight for these shows, but I was training in California and I won't say the name of the show, but there's two different shows, right? And one was exactly like you, where they said, we're not going to focus just on our guys in our backyard who can sell tickets and things like that. We're going to focus on bringing people all over the place. And then it grew into a really, and it's a major feeder show to the UFC now. And it's a great, great show. And there's another show, which was one of the pioneering shows. And they were always about like the local boys and this and that. And they're still around and they, but they had a lot of malfeasance in terms of the financial areas. I, you know, I'm not here to call anybody out, but also it's just, it's just a show that doesn't even matter anymore. Like you can you fight in it, but it doesn't even matter. What's, what's it called? <laughs> not going to say. It's called No Name. Yeah. You it's know that. We would get more ratings if we had more I know, controversy. Right? I know, right? He never right? wants to name me. Listen, you're in MMA. I, listen, I'm a guest. I could cause some controversy, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not saying it. I know who they are. <laughs> you knew, I knew. Right? I, know exactly I just whispered it. You only right? had to say the first two. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. And uh, and and I remember training in California with guys who who. By the way, uh, I hate their logo. Their logo. Sh- I can't say oh that exactly. God. It's the same damn logo since 1994. The same logo. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back Thank with that you. next time. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's like 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 the. It's just terrible. I think I think we're gonna wrap it up. Um, yeah. this was a great, okay. great podcast. Um. Fantastic. It's so, so awesome to have you on. And I'd like to, maybe we can have her on again for each yeah, premiere show. And, 100%. and yeah. yeah. And I'm just so. I'm not a New Yorker, so it's very. You can call, you call yeah. in? No, yeah. I'll come, I'll come back. Oh, you'll come back. You guys okay. have way better food than we do, for sure. <laughs> but, um, I, I just get, I, I'm not a New York, I'm not a New Yorker. I think because I've been so many different parts of the country, this is a, a whole entire country of its own. Mm-hmm. I've never been to a place like New York before. <laughs> Ever, but I do like it. <laughs> well, I have to say that when we went up to Massachusetts, we've only met wonderful people, and you're number one. The only issue I have is I still have trouble telling you and your twin sister part. <laughs> so does everybody else, and I like oh, it. Twins. But I do like it because they ask her questions. So I'll run up to her and ask her questions, and she's been with me. She's worked for filters me since out. like 2009. She filters yeah. everything. Okay, I love it. It's so wonderful having you, and uh, of course your business partner Camiar, who's sitting here together. Uh, thank you so much. Oh yes, right. please. Yeah, Premierfighting.com is Premierfighting.com, yep. And, uh, yeah. and support your for... New Yorkers. So make sure that you put either UG or Yorick. Oh, I think it's, it's Y Anderson, right? It's um it's either I think I think his code's Y Anderson and yeah. then UG's is UG. He has right. just that short. Just just use UG. Just UG. Just UG. Yeah. Put all your money on uh, yeah. radical. Yeah. yeah. February twenty ninth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh it's not actually not that far from New York. You can drive up, it's an hour and 
15 minutes or hour 20 minutes and then also there's a train that goes up from Grand Central and from Penn Station too. Well, they can watch it online? And they can try, uh, yeah, yeah, you can watch was, it on Fight TV. What we'll do is Fight Premier TV. FC on Facebook. We don't. We actually don't even know the link until the week of um, but you can watch it anywhere in the country outside of 25 miles from the venue. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> thank you and thank you so much. I, I thank you for being thank here. Thank you for having me guys. Also, thank you for everything you do for the sport. It's it's uh, You're the best promoter I've ever worked with and I've ever known. And any fighter who's out there who's looking to, to go, Premier FC is the place to go because they'll take care of you. They'll make sure you have a plan to grow. And anybody who wants to watch great fights, it's a great, great place to watch the, the you know, what would be considered like the AAA level of fights, which still some amazing, amazing fights. And people have gone from Premier to the UFC many times. So I'm just, I'm really psyched and honored to be part of the Premier FC family. Thank you guys for having me very much. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.